Welcome to Fatal Error. I'm Sarush. And I'm Chris. Uh, and today, Chris and I are going to talk about error handling in Swift, when you should use things like Fatal Error, uh, when you should use Swift's built-in error handling, when you should use something like a result type or some other abstraction, uh, when those things are sh- where, where those things have their strengths and where they have their weaknesses. So we're literally going to be talking about Fatal Errors on Fatal Error. Oh, the irony. <laughs> the irony. <laughs> Yeah, so so Swift ships with a default error handling model, and it's it's a very type systemy one, I would say. Uh, if a function is going to throw an error, uh, it has to be declared as throws, and any context that calls that function needs to handle that in some way, either by saying if there was an error, you should crash, or if there was an error, give me you know an optional value, or uh, handling it explicitly and saying I want the error, I want to handle it and do something with it. Right. And so some interesting things to note about Swift's error handling approach, uh, which we'll add a link uh, to some documentation about that in the show notes, but we'll kind of assume that most listeners are at least somewhat familiar with it here. Interesting things to note are that unlike with um, something like exceptions, this isn't quite like an exception handling mechanism. Exceptions aren't going to propagate uh, automatically. You're, you're, you're going to have to propagate an error up the chain manually if you want something to propagate. And really a better way to think about Swift's um, uh, throwing, throwing errors is almost more like just another, like adding an error return type to a function. So a function can return uh, either whatever value it was going to return before or an error. Uh, it really is just some uh, almost syntactic sugar uh, and type system sugar around having a uh, having an error return type. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Okay. And, and you'll note that like um, defer... Uh, blocks that you handle hand to defer will get called whether you throw to exit the function or whether you return to exit the function. So it really is just a different type of returning. Right. And that's, that's kind of a key distinction. Yeah. Uh, so a, a blog post that I really like is, uh, Matt Gallagher's post, uh, values and errors part one results in Swift. Uh, you might know Matt Gallagher better as the Coco with love guy. And we'll put the article in the show notes, but he, puts the problem with Swift's error handling really succinctly. He says, uh, if you want to handle errors across asynchronous boundaries or store value error results for later processing, then Swift error handling won't help. Uh, the best alternative is a common pattern called a result type. It stores a value error some type, either one or the other, and can be used between any two arbitrary execution contexts. So another way to think about this is like it's like an optional, but instead of the nil case, you describe why it's nil. Right. That that makes a lot of sense. So this is uh another approach to allow something to return either a value or an error, right? Just right. rather than using the, uh, the sort of sugar that's built into Swift to do that, we introduce this new type called, called result, which, as you note, contains uh, as an associated value either the result, uh, the, uh, the, the resulting value or the error that, could, that comes out of this function. Right, exactly. And the, the most common result framework to use is the Rob Ricks' anti-typical result. We talk about that library on the show probably, I think, more than anything else. <laughs> But uh, results has its places where it's really powerful. And Swift error handling, while it can be frustrating in specific contexts like asynchronous handling, it has its strengths as well. Uh, and we're also, I think, going to talk a little bit about promise error handling and fatal error as we get a little deeper into the show. Cool. So there is another blog post that shows Swift error handling being used to you know, great effect. 
Uh, we'll put it in the show notes as well. It's called Swift 2 Air Handling in Practice. And it came out pretty much right after Swift uh, 2 was announced, like back in WWDC 2015. And Swift Swift 2, uh, just for, for historical, historical reference, is when this uh, throwing error handling model was introduced to Swift. Right, exactly, yeah. Uh, and the author has a system where they have like a robot arm and they need to call like move up or move over, move down. And they have all these calls that happen in, in succession. And the old code was written with Objective-C sort of like error pointers. And so there would be a lot of boilerplate around, okay, well, here's the error. You know, if you have an error, you got to check that. And then you got to return nil and bail early. And so there ends up being a lot of boilerplate. And when the author switched it over to use the Swift error handling, because it sort of reroutes the code path automatically for you when you, when you try something and it fails... It, it it cut his boilerplate down a lot. And I had a tough time trying to figure out, like, why is Swift's error handling so good and so obviously good in this case? And, like, why am I having such a tough time using it well? And I think the difference between it is that there's a little bit of overhead involved with using try and, like, handling the handling the error like correctly. So you have to like have the do statement, you have to actually call the function with the try keyword, you have to have the catch statement, you have to bind the error to something, and then you have to handle the error. So something that ended up, that was originally one line of code uh, that maybe returned an optional, ends up being five lines of code. And that overhead really starts to pay off when you have multiple function calls that all throw. And so in this person's case, like since move up and move over and move down were all different calls, uh, setting up that that framework of like, okay, handle the error in this way uh, ends up being, you get much more bang for your buck, basically. And so I think that um, if you're returning one particular value, it may make more sense to use result just because it's one line of code. Whereas, and then you can like chain off of it and do what you need to do and handle that error way down the road. Whereas if you're calling multiple things all at once, it may make more sense to use the Swift error handling model. Okay. I mean, that in and of itself kind of ties your choice. What am I trying to say? That ties the signature for whatever you're writing, the type of whatever you're writing to like its implementation. Yeah. How it's going to be used. Right. Which seems, which seems a little unfortunate. I I wonder if there's some other like better case to be made one way or another. Yeah. I mean, you know, ultimately, whatever error handling you decide is going to have to be reflected in its type signature. And so implementers or like people that want to call that function are going to have to handle that in the way that you specify, not in a way that that they want. Right. Although there are helper functions that can help you get from one to the other, like result to Swift's error handling and back um, with libraries like, like result. True. I found that Swift's error handling, um, since it's best when you have a bunch of different calls that can all throw... Um, is best for stuff like JSON parsing, where instead of saying, okay, guard that this key exists and that it's this type, guard that this key exists and it's this type, and then like set all that stuff. Like you can do all that stuff in one line of code with try, and it ends mm-hmm. up being much, much shorter. And you have one initializer that throws, and then you can use a protocol extension to add another initializer that just returns an optional if that's what you want. And you end up with a system that like ends up with much more succinct code than than you would have before. So there are definitely certain cases where like try uh, try try and do and catch are just way more succinct and way more powerful than than something like result type. Okay. Uh that that makes a lot of sense. So 
Do we want to go over then uh, some cases where you where you do want to use a result type? Uh, yeah, so um, I'm I'm interested to know how you guys because you have a basically a brand new app that was written in um, Swift from the ground up. Mm-hmm. How do you approach error handling? How do you handle that stuff? So yeah, let's see. In a lot of our model layer where there's uh, JSON parsing and that kind of thing. We are using, uh, as you know, we're using like Swift's error handling model th- uh, for like throwing and, and catching errors. There are also some cases where we're just returning nil, right? We we have make things return an optional. And I think that that's mostly useful in places where there's not a whole lot that you can do or report back with the extra information that an error object would come with. Like it's, I, I'm trying to think of a good example. I can't think of one offhand, but there are a lot of cases where it's not really useful to have the extra information that comes along with an error. Uh, you just want to like try and see if something works and get back an optional if it doesn't. I guess that you can still do that by calling something with try question mark, but then you end, you know, if you're if it's just used in one place, you end up creating an error and throwing it, and then uh, just throwing it away right. uh, by converting it to an optional anyway. And and having the extra like try question mark. I mean, it's only five characters, but uh, with the space. But I don't know. It just like an already long line. It, it feels like it makes it much worse. Yeah, I'm thinking that like maybe I don't know. Maybe we should try to move a little bit more toward that. Um, we are like most we we are all still fairly new swift programmers right and so uh, i'm curious to see what other people are doing or what patterns sort of emerge uh i haven't looked at very many other like large uh open source swift code bases and so i'd be very curious to hear what uh and to see what other people are doing because uh i'm this is one area where uh like i mentioned on uh the, in an earlier episode i think i'm not totally I don't have very strong feelings one way or another, uh, and I'm curious to uh, I'm curious to see what's out there. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of different things that pop up. I have never really understood why they didn't just give us the actual result type and just add the tries and throws and whatever to be just syntactical around that. I do have a. Uh, post bookmarked from the Swift Evolution mailing list, which we'll add to the show notes, discussing why uh, why they didn't add a result type internally. Right. One interesting context in which another interesting context in which the Swift error handling is really really nice is inside of stuff like promises and and reactive stuff. So if your promise or reactive type is error parameterized, as in you know exactly what kind of error it's going to be, you can't use this trick. But if you um, have it just be of type error, that just generic error, then you can call your like your little callback functions, like they're then with promises or map and flat map and all that stuff on on different reactive signals. Mm-hmm. You can make those functions throwable, and if you throw from there, then the promise or the reactive uh, signal will actually handle that internally and just route it to the right place, and so. If you're in an environment like a promise then block where you can just freely throw and it will just be handled for you, it makes handling some things a lot easier. Like, for example, if something's an optional, you might normally do like guard, let thing equal optional thing, else return nil or whatever. But with um, but if you're in a context where you can throw, you can just do you can add like let's say a function to uh, optional called unwrap that if the thing is nil it'll throw and if it's not nil it'll return the actual thing. 
And with that, then you can just do like let thing equal thing on dot unwrap and it will unwrap for you. It'll handle the throwing for you. And then you can just go about your business as though you're on the sort of happy path and you don't have to think anymore about like, Oh, what am I going to do if this thing is no, it'll just go to be an error. And like, you can use the line in the file, like keywords to make, uh, it tell you exactly where that error was thrown, uh, with the default parameters. You can do all kinds of cool tricks like that. And so if you're in a context where you can freely throw Swift's error handling and like throwing is actually super, super nice. It's just that most contexts don't really let you throw. Hmm, okay. Now, y'all made your own like observable type for this new project. Uh, how is the error handling handled in there? Is it, is it type parameterized or is it just it could be any error? I don't even remember that offhand because it's been a while since I looked at that. And we're really only using that uh, still to bind uh, to bind views to our view models. And so we haven't really had a need to add um, to add really any extensive error handling capability to that. Interesting. The plan was always to move to uh, like Reactive Coco or RX Swift or um, uh, Reactive Swift, which is the like now the reactive part of Reactive Coco, but written in Swift. But written in Swift. Right. Uh, the plan was always to move to a more capable reactive library once we uh, got everyone on the team kind of comfortable with the core concept of observables. Uh, we haven't actually uh, haven't actually switched that implementation out yet. Not because I think that the team isn't ready for it. The team totally could handle it at this point. Everyone's used to these concepts. Right. But uh, we just haven't gotten around to it. This works. And we, I don't know, we're, we're happily using this to bind view models and... Nice. That's that's where we are. Yeah, that's an interesting idea of just a signal that doesn't even need error handling because, you know, it always has a valid value. Right. Or, uh, yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. So you mentioned, uh, you, you mentioned a couple things that, that are interesting here. Uh, first of all, you mentioned the concept of uh, errors that are parameterized to a specific type where... Which, which, as you note, you can do with the result type, but you can't do with uh, Swift's error handling. Right. Um, so, in something like Java, you uh, you you can declare you. I think I should declare, uh, or it's idiomatic to declare what exceptions may be thrown from a function. Right. And Swift doesn't let you do that. And the the sort of theory behind that is, uh, as articulated by the Swift team, is that. In Java or C Sharp or uh, languages with checked exceptions like that, people very rarely uh, people very rarely handle different kinds of exceptions differently, and a lot of people just will end up writing type signatures that say throws exception, the like root class of all exceptions anyway. Right, and uh, so a- adding sort of type checked exceptions adds a lot of complexity for. Uh, very little extra safety uh, in the real world, the way that programmers seem to write code. I was uh, very against this uh, this design decision back when they back in when they introduced this in Swift two. I'm still a little I, I still have somewhat mixed feelings about it because I think there are some cases where it it is nice to know what may be thrown so that you know like you that you can handle it right right. I, I would be interested in some sort of approach that at least lets you declare in the type system what 
errors can be thrown so that you have the so that that's sort of the documentation so that you know what you can catch right. or you can just catch all the errors anyway well and it means that you won't have to like um be you can be exhaustive in your switch statement and you don't have to have like a final catch that just catches any old error like if you expect these three types and you have to handle those three types okay. especially you will always have to add a special catch all at the end and like if you had parameterized errors you wouldn't need that the other nice thing with parameterized errors is you can do like a no error enum with no cases that can't be initialized so you know that you never have to handle that so one other thing that's important to note is that the swift team decided against uh sort of type checked error uh throws type checked errors because if you have an api that throws and that calls other apis that throw then uh suddenly you have your api has to declare that it throws not just whatever might what whatever errors you might throw but whatever errors that the API that you call might throw. And that means that like future relatively small API updates have the potential to change like the type signature that you have to declare. And, and that is a valid concern. Um, the counter argument I think is that if you, if the uh, API that you're calling introduces a new type of error that it can throw, well then, yeah, that is an API change. Yeah, and you, you probably want to know about that, right? If it changed the type that it returned, you would definitely want to know about that, you know? Right. Yeah. And and that's why I'm so split on this. Like on the other hand, there's a lot of evidence that in fact programmers don't care and just treat all errors as equal, right? Yeah. Like, oops, there was an error, this didn't work and Pr- and print and like return or whatever. <laughs> right. Recover or 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 just fail. Yeah. There is a there is a blog post that covers a paper. And, and it's about Java exception handling. And uh, we'll put it in the show notes, but the the punchline is, most programmers ignore Java's carefully thought out exception hierarchy and simply catch exception, 78%, or throwable, 84%, rather than uh, any of their subclasses. So a vast majority, like five and six people, basically, are um, just ignoring the fact that like they could be throwing and catching the very specific errors and just throw and catch super generic ones instead. So, Right. Yeah, I mean, it's frustrating. It feels like it's very frustrating to use it. And like, I've used promise libraries where you do have to declare the error type and you can't like bridge between domains very easily. So like I had a situation where I was trying to do a promise that would present uh, like a view controller because it has a completion block and then like do a network request immediately after. But because the error type of the view controller presentation was no error because it can't fail. Uh, I had to like map the error to a different domain so that then I could chain off of it. And then I would have to map it again to a different domain to do a third thing. It only like the chaining only works if you stay in the same sort of domain, like network errors are are network errors or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. One other note that I would like to see from the Swift uh, language on the sort of type checked uh, errors topic, it would be nice if you could hint that a certain error is possible to be thrown without that needing to be an exhaustive list of errors that can be thrown, like in Java or C, uh, C Sharp, right? Right. So if you are in the case where you're calling something that can throw, uh, but you know that you're going to throw like wh- whatever the thing you're calling throws plus a like disk full error, it would be nice to be able to hint in the type of this function, hey, this throws and one of the possible things is a disk full error. That at least gives you some indication when you're calling it, like what errors you can like uh, might be particularly important or interesting to check for right? without like forcing you to to make a whole comprehensive list. 
Yeah, you ha- you end up having to rely on either like extensive testing or on documentation to know what errors are going to be thrown. And like a lot of cases, like you're not going to test like what if the disk is full? Like you're not going to test that. Right. And um, you'll never know that it throws that specific kind of error. And like, how are you going to handle it? Like, what's the right thing to do? And so, and documentation falls out of sync all the time. Um, or they just forget to put it in there. And if it's not open source and you can't check it yourself, I mean, right. what, are you, what are you supposed to do? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's such a tough question, yeah. I have no idea if that's been proposed or if that's likely to happen. I just, I would love to have some indication that doesn't revolve around someone remembering to update a comment right. uh, about what things, like what errors may be interesting or useful to check for. Yeah, I mean, right? that's the whole reason we have a type system is so we don't have to rely on comments for like, oh, it takes these parameters right. and these are optional and these have default values or whatever. Right, yeah. right. So... Changing topics slightly, the result type is also really useful if you're doing asynchronous programming. Uh, we're all very familiar with uh, with passing one or two blocks to some asynchronous API, and then maybe one gets called if there's an error and the other gets called if it's a success, or maybe you pass one block and it gives you two pointers and you see which one is, is non-null and then assume whether something was uh, successful based on that. What a result type means is that you can have an asynchronous API and you give it a callback block and that block takes a, a result as a parameter. So suddenly you have one callback block, like you don't have the weird case where uh, if you have code that you have to run uh, for both success and failure, it's not duplicated between two callback blocks. Right. Uh, and a result type uh, provides a really nice way to wrap up a result for uh, asynchronous APIs. So that's one uh, one thing to note. Yeah. One trick that I do want to mention, but I think is kind of an anti-pattern, is that one way that people get around the fact that uh, Swift's error handling system can't be used asynchronously is that in asynchronous completion block, they will pass back a function that throws, and it's your job to try calling the function and then handling the result. Have you seen this before? No, I have never I don't know seen if this. There's like a pattern. canonical blog post, but yeah, you can imagine like it passes you a function. This sounds sketchy. I mean, it works. I guess. <laughs> huh. Um, I'll try to find a blog post. I don't know if there's like a canonical blog post. It's it's so it is a little bit sketchy. Yeah, I've I've, I've never thought about this. Like that'll work, but yeah. I had never thought about doing that. Yeah, here it is. Uh, Olivier Elegon has a blog post about it, so we'll put that in the oh, nice in the um, show notes. Yeah, it's. Like I said, it works, but it's kind of kind of whack, which I think is why it's not really used in practice. Like it's much easier to just make your own result type. But the um, the problem that he brings up, even if you don't bring in a library for it, having like uh, enum result case success and the type, and then case error and the type, like you can that's four lines. You could just put that in your wrap right now, and you would have it. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not too expensive. But the the problem that it does solve both result and this like thing, this like hack where you pass back a function that you can call that will throw. The problem they solve is very real, which is that like a lot of the APIs that let's say you, you want to talk to um, an SURL session and you get a completion block from that, you have to handle, like basically it returns to you three things, data, response, and error. And the documentation, and they're all optional, and the documentation tells you that if error is not nil, like if there's a value for error, then data and response will be will be nil. And vice versa, the other way around, where if data and response are both not nil, then error will be nil, which is like 
you can encode that in the type system with something that is like, call it a subtype or call it a, an enum or whatever, where it's either this way or it's that way. And it's just, it's way nicer when you don't have to like check, okay, you have to unwrap this and this in these cases, but then in this other case, you have to unwrap this thing. And so I could just wrap that up in a, in a result or something. And that way, you know, like if this succeeds, I will have both a data and a response. And if it doesn't succeed, I will have an error and that's all I'll have. Yeah. Yeah. This is when I wrap, so I wrap the NSURL session APIs for promise stuff. And that's what I do is I unwrap data and response. Uh, and if they're both not nil, then I call like fulfill. And then I unwrap error. And if that one is, has a value, then I call reject with that value. And then if there, if any of those two cases are not true, then I fatal error. And it, I think the fatal error message is like something horrible has happened um, because it should never happen, but it might happen. Right. Like, you know, I trust Apple's code to not, not fail me like that, but you never know. Yeah. And so that brings up the question of when do you, when do you fatal error? I was just going to make that same segue. Uh, so relevant given that I'm surprised it took us this long on the podcast called fatal error to talk about this. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I, I guess I'll go first. So there are a number of, of fatal error calls scattered throughout our code base. They're mostly in places where, like, this is something that something very unexpected that really, really, really should not happen has happened, and we don't really know where to go from here, right? Right. So as one example, we build a path uh, in our like application support directory to put a, a database. And uh, that's something where, like the the path uh, path APIs, like appending paths to uh, to a URL, can fail. Uh, I forget whether they return optionals or uh, or throw. They return optionals. Okay. Yeah. So so that is something that can fail. Like this is something that technically does return an optional, but given that we have like a local path and we're appending a path component to it, that really, 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 really should never like return nil. Like I can't imagine why that would return nil. Um, the reason that that API returns nil is for mail to URLs because you can't well, add right. a path to a mail to URL. So you're pretty confident that that thing is not going to fail. Exactly. If I, I'm appending it to like a path on the, to a, a file system URL. Right. So, so in that case we say like guard let, uh, the, the, cache URL is like uh, the, this application support URL append this database name, else fatal error with like, couldn't uh, couldn't build a path in the application support directory, right? So cases like that are where where I say it's, it's okay to use a fatal error call, which is just like, look, I don't know what's going on or how to recover from this, but like, something's very wrong. Right, and that's when you choose to, to fatal error out. Right. Now I have a question for you, which is, you can just use you. So you can do guard let op, uh, thing equal optional thing else fatal error, or you can just do optional thing bang. Yeah, I mean, I get that those are functionally pretty much exactly the same. I had, I have this just sort of maybe irrational hatred of uh, exclamation points of bangs in Swift code. Yeah. And uh, we'll also note that at least with fatal error, we can attach a nice message that's like, hey, we couldn't build a path in the application support directory. Something's really not right. And maybe include like other helpful, uh, if if there's other helpful information, like maybe the path that we were trying to append to, uh, which right. doesn't happen if your your app quit because of a, of a bang there. But you're right, like functionally and given the uh, given that we're very unlikely ever to hit this code path, you could just as well add a add a bang there. 
Right. I, I, the reason I don't do the bang either. And the reason is because I really want to feel the pain of like, I'm writing out the words fatal error. Like this app is going to crash if I, if I'm wrong about this. Like I really, well, it's right. a little bit longer and you're really feeling the pain of like, it doesn't like, sometimes I feel like a bang can kind of hide away in the code and you might not see it, but a fatal error is just very explicit. And it's like, this is going to crash if you're wrong about this. Right. It's also no, uh, like nothing is ever going to suggest that you add a fatal error call. Unlike like sometimes it'll suggest that you can use an exclamation point to unwrap an optional. Like it's clearly an intentional decision, right? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Now, one other cool thing that we should note is that a uh, fatal error is a function that returns uh, a never which is, uh, it's, it's another degenerate type of like an enum with no cases. And so it can never be instantiated and you can never have it. That's why it's called never. And you can make your own functions that return never and that call fatal error internally. So if you want to add like friend of the show, Caleb Davenport has a function called not implemented. And, um, it, it's for like, if you have a, a init with coder or whatever, and internally it like prints a nice message and then fatal errors in a nice way, um, to say, Hey, like this thing is not implemented. So you can add your own to have a little bit more semantic meaning. Cool. Cool. Yeah, yeah, I'd I'd forgotten that that type existed, but I just found the, uh, documentation on, um, on Apple's site and added that to the show notes. Perfect. Nice. So uh, before we wrap up, there's one more thing that I wanted to mention really briefly about uh, the result type, which is cool. I really like the result type. You can't tell. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's a style of, uh, of error handling and functional programming, which uh, I forget exactly what it's called, but for um, sort of colloquially like railroad style error handling. And uh, the, the term is, sorry, the term is, uh, it's called railway oriented programming. There's a couple of talks about it. And there if we you go. just Google that, you'll find all the, all the relevant information. We'll put some of it in the show notes. Yeah. And we're, we're running a little long, so I don't really want to get into this, uh, but, but this would be something to look into if you were writing, like a, applying a series of functions that transform data uh, and an error might occur at some step. Uh, this is a, a useful pattern for you to, uh, to look for and do some more reading about. Yeah, and you can use this with result types. You can use this with um, promise types. You can use this with reactive signal types. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of just pretty much, not always, but almost always just does the right thing. Yeah, it's a, a fairly elegant way to handle certain, um, like, again, sort of like uh, applying a sequence of things to data operations. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. In as much as you can, I would try using the highest level abstraction that you can. Like if you're just doing local things that don't necessarily need an error, but are a chain, you might want to use optional dot flat map. If you're using something a little bit more complicated that is still synchronous, but needs, you know, more detail on the errors, you might use result dot flat map. If you know it's asynchronous, but it only calls once, you might want to use promise dot flat map or promise dot then and using the like highest form of like abstraction that you have. Like lets you, like it lets you write the best, most succinct code that mm-hmm. you that you can. Yeah, abstractions are good. Use them. Otherwise, you're good. if you have something where an abstraction would fit, but you're not using it, you're probably like rewriting that abstraction in your own code anyway. Yeah, maybe writing a worse version of it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Uh, that's uh, an episode about error handling. Yeah, uh, this is probably a good point to wrap up. I think we're a little over 30 minutes at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, well, always as always, Chris, it was a pleasure. Uh, yeah, always fun to talk to you. And uh, thank you very much to our listeners. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right, later.